Welcome to New Creation Family Church. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And it's my great privilege this morning to welcome Alexander and Jill with us. Um, Alexander came and did a seminar with us on doing reconciliation, I think a number of years ago. And it had a profound impact on us as a church. I know it had a profound impact on me as a person and our life group. And we followed that by having storytelling and it really, it really changed us. And I know Alexander's only here for an hour or 40 minutes with us as he shares this morning, but I'm really trusting for that impact in our lives this morning as he shares on a defining moment in his life. So let's give him a hand as he comes and shares and brings the word this morning. Thank you very much, Paul. I uh, appreciate the invitation to be with you. Good morning to everyone. It's lovely to see you. I have fond memories of being here every now and then. I'm one of those guys that came out of Noah's Ark with Ron Robinson. <laughs> but I remember Ron and Anne very well from the early days when Tony Fitzgerald used to come out and I came to some of the meetings and Ron asked me to come and share here as well and then of of course with Grant and with Paul. So my journey with, with you folk is a celebration in my heart of what God has done here. And I salute and honor what God has done. This is a good, healthy church, and it's an honor to be with you. And it's an honor to share God's word with you this morning. So I'm aware that the young adults, and I think the young people as well, are um, in the meeting this morning. So I want to tailor my my talk to address them as well and not just give some uh, teaching that uh, is feeding giraffes. <laughs> so when Paul asked me to come and share, he explained that the, you guys are in a series of uh, around defining moments in one's life. And as I thought about it and prayed about it immediately, a defining moment in my life came to mind, and that is what, I, what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, share some of my own story, as well as the story of the early church, about how the baptism of the Holy Spirit was a tremendously defining moment, especially in the early church, also in the life of Jesus, and in my own personal life. So just first of all to read to you a text, or rather two texts. So if you want to read with me, you're welcome. Otherwise you listen by faith. And I'll read accurately, don't worry. So Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 4. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. So this is Jesus talking to his little community before he ascends into heaven. So after he rose again for 40 days, he appeared to his disciples and taught them, and then he ascended into heaven. And, and here from what Luke writes in the book of Acts are Jesus' last words. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And Jesus often spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower uh, his followers to do what Jesus was doing the way he did it. So he spoke about the baptism, the coming of the Holy Spirit for power. 
He said, because John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this was um, when he ascended into heaven. So literally 10 days later was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon the early church. So then when they met together, they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has in his own authority, but you will receive power. The Greek word there, dynamis, is our English word dynamite. You will receive dynamite when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up into heaven before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going up while suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up at the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. So just a brief comment first here is that according to Luke who wrote the book of Acts, he presents the story of Jesus. You guys are all aware hey, that Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts as two parts of one book. So his biography of Jesus was actually the story of Jesus and his first followers. Luke is the story of Jesus, and Acts is the story of his first followers, the church. And the way, if you read Luke carefully, the way he explains Luke is he has all the connotations of Elijah, the Old Testament prophet. You guys have all heard of Elijah. <laughs> he was, in the Jewish mind, respected as the prophet of Israel. But he had an understudy, Elisha who journeyed with Elijah. And Elisha said, when you depart, I want you to give me one thing. And Elijah said, what's that? He said, I want you to give me a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, if you see me taken up into heaven, you will receive a double portion of my spirit. And the way Luke tells the story, he has all the, the subtext, the underlying connotation of Luke and Acts is the story of Elijah and Elisha. It's actually a succession story. What he's saying is this. Jesus came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he brings the power of the Holy Spirit to do the signs and wonders of the kingdom of God, the miracles, the works of God. But the, the, the school of prophets that follow him, his apostles, the followers of Jesus, are those who, when he goes up, receives the Holy Spirit in double portion. Because when Jesus ascends, he pours out his Spirit upon his church. And the church, the followers of Jesus, are the people of the Spirit. The people who are filled with the Spirit of Jesus, even to double portion. And so John says, Jesus says in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 12, he says, if you believe in me, the miracles that I've been doing, you will also do in greater miracles than these, because I am departing to my Father in heaven. When he departs to his Father, the Holy Spirit comes down upon us in double portion to do greater works than Jesus. So for me, in terms of my own journey and my own story, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, whatever phrase we want to use, was a massively defining point in my own journey. Let me read one more text before I tell my story, and then we're going to practice what we preach. I know this church. I know that whatever you guys preach, you immediately practice. We're going to do that. So in John chapter 7, the second text that I wanted to refer to, and I'll come back to this text, but let me just read it up front. John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles, and it says in verse 37, On the last day, the greatest day of that feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living waters or rivers of living waters will flow from their innermost being. And John then puts in brackets an explanation. By this, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were, were, uh, were later to receive. In other words, after his resurrection and at Pentecost. Because up to that time, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. In other words, ascended into heaven. So <clears throat> John, John's version is in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's, it, it goes for seven days. On the last day, the priests in Jerusalem and the temple bring large pitchers of water, and they pour it out as a water offering before God, and they fill the canals in, in the outer court. And Jesus stood up on that last day while the priests were pouring out all the water. And he said, if you're thirsty, don't drink this water. Come to me and drink the water that I give you. And if you drink the water that I give you, it is the Holy Spirit. And the more you drink, if you're really thirsty, the more you drink in from your innermost being will will flow rivers of living water. A stream will bubble up, and the stream becomes a river and flows out your mouth because this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that will come at Pentecost. So just to, I will refer to these two texts um, out of my story. So I was um, born on the 14th of January, 1955. Now those of you who do mathematics can immediately work out how ancient I am. Um, but I was raised in a non-religious home. My parents never went to church. My mom was German, so apparently I was baptized or christened as a baby, Alexander Ferdinand Fenter. My father was born in the Argentine, so my mom got to choose my first name, my father my second name, which is a Spanish name. So we never went to church except that I was christened as a baby, and then I had to be confirmed at the age of 13 years old. So at the age of 13, when I went to confirmation classes in the Lutheran church, I started to hear about this Jesus and about God and about the Bible. And I was so, well, basically I was so doff. I had to think, who's this Jesus? What's this book called the Bible? Because I didn't really know much. And at the age of 13, there was a guy in my class by the name of Dave Ganetsky. I was at Cambridge High School in East London. And David Ganeski today is a pastor in, in East London. He was in my class, and he started to talk to me about Jesus. He was a Baptist born-again believer. He was one of these guys with fire in his eyes. And he used to, when we walked into class, 
at Cambridge High School, we used to have to line up outside the class before going in, and when, only when the teacher went in, then all the, the students went in. While we were waiting, Dave Ganitsky had tracts, these little pamphlets that explained about Jesus, and he walked up the whole row and he handed out tracts to every one of his classmates, and most of them just tore it up and whatever, put it in their bag. But Dave Ganitsky began to talk to me about Jesus, and I was so um, ignorant about Jesus, it took me about four to six months to begin to understand the story of Jesus, that God sent his own son to earth as a human being to live and to die in our place, to take upon himself our sin, that we might be forgiven, and he died and he rose again that we might receive his life, his eternal life, and be born again into God's family, into God's kingdom. And so one night he invited me to the, the YP, we used to call it, the Young Peoples um, at First Baptist Church in East London. And I was 13 years old, and I went there, and Rex Matthew, Uncle Rex Matthew was preaching. We called him Uncle Rex Matthew. He was, the, he, he was the minister of the First Baptist Church. And he told the story of Jesus, and something in my heart was moved. And when I, when I went out, Dave Ganetsky, I mean, after the service, when we went out on the stairs of the church, when all the other young people were around, Dave Ganetsky looked at me, and in those days my name was Bushy Fenter because my hair was long. So this week I went and had a haircut, and I also had all these spots, the sunspots burned off my face. So if I look a bit like a chameleon <laughs> in the light, then uh, I see lights are coming on here. Uh, then uh, you'll excuse me, um, but that's what happened today. I was shorn and shaven and also burnt. But my hair was long, so they called me Bushy. And he, he put his finger in my face and he said, Bushy, you've heard enough about Jesus. I want to ask you a question. He said, if you had to die tonight and appear before God, would you be ready to meet God and answer for your life? And if God had to say to you, why must I allow you into my heaven, then what will be your answer? And you know, something happened in me. I just knew that I knew I wasn't ready to meet God. And you know what happened? Worst of things, I began to cry. I couldn't even answer him. <laughs> and all the friends, all the young people were looking at me. Yes, I was tall at the age of 13, but I shrunk to... Uh, <laughs> a very short person. I was so embarrassed, I started to cry. And I went home that night. Um, I went home, and that night I had a dream. And obviously it was working in me that I wasn't ready to meet God. And I dreamt that my, I had died. I don't know any, if, if any of you have literally had a dream when in your dream you had died. And my father put me in a coffin, and the coffin had a window here. And in my dream, he was lowering me down into the grave. He himself was holding the rope, and I felt the coffin going down like this into the grave. As the coffin hit the bottom of the grave, you know how dreams do this, I just fell off the earth. And in my dream, I saw the earth receding. And, and I looked around, and I was going into darkness. Being, I had the sensation of being thrown into, into space. And I was screaming and shouting and trying to grab on something with this horrible sensation of being thrown into utter darkness. And I woke up with my brother, Jürgen, who's an, a year older than me. We slept in the same room because obviously I was making a, a noise. 
And he woke me up and he said, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know, you're having a, a nightmare. And as I woke up, the questions just filled my mind. Who are you? Who made you? Why are you here? What's the reason for your life? What's going to happen with you when you die one day? And those questions, I went through to the bedroom and I woke my dad up. I said, Dad, please help me. Who am I? (laughs) What's going to happen with me when I die one day? Why was I put on earth? Is God real? And he said, ah, son, you're only 13 years old. Don't worry. When you get to university, they'll explain all those things to you. (laughs) So you know what? I went the next morning, Saturday morning, and I went to see Dave Yuneski. I had a bicycle. And I knew there was one guy that could help me. And I went to Dave, and I said, I had this dream after the YP service or meeting last night and after Uncle Rex preached. And again, he had a way of just putting his finger in my face. He just put his finger right in my face. He said, it's very simple. God wants you. God is calling you. Give your life to Jesus. And I just said, okay, how do we do that? And he prayed a prayer, and he led me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, I literally felt something happen in me. The Holy Spirit entered me. My sins were forgiven, and I received the gift of eternal life. That was the 7th of June, 1968. I was born again by the the Holy Spirit giving me the life of Jesus through the forgiveness of sins. And I remember going back home, and my dad saw me. He said... What's, <clears throat> you're looking rather happy. I was all very excited and happy. And I said, Dad, you know what? All my sins are forgiven. And he said, why? What sins have you committed? <laughs> he got very concerned. He said, Dad, I'm born again. He said, no, but what does that mean? I mean, I was so excited. I just knew that I knew something had happened to me. That was a life-defining moment when I was born again. But what happened is with the, in the Baptist church, I don't know how many of you know the Baptist church or come from the Baptist church, but Rex Matthew was a fantastic expository preacher. But the one thing is that they didn't believe in the, in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and praying for the sick. So after about a year of being a follower of Jesus in the Baptist church, another guy at school got hold of me, Tony Shelver, who, um, Anthony Shelver, who was with the Assemblies of God Church, a Pentecostal guy. And he, he said to me, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what's that? He said, you need power from God to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit to witness to people and tell them about Jesus and to preach the gospel and pray for the sick and cast out demons. And I said, what? Do you do that? Do you pray for sick people? Do you cast out demons? He said, yes, that's what every Christian ought to do. And through talking to him, he awakened within me this hunger and this desire that God would use me. That I'm not saved to go to heaven, but I'm saved to serve God here on earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saved to bring change to the people around me and wherever God places me in life. I'm here to follow Jesus, to do what Jesus did the way he did it. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to be a Christian. 
And so after a period of time of him talking to me, I said to him, okay, Tony, pray for me that I may be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this word baptized is a Greek word, baptizo, which means to immerse or to submerge. And it comes in the New Testament from John the Baptist. He wasn't John the Baptist. There were no Baptists in those days. I call him John the Baptizer. Some people think that John started the Baptist Church. The Baptist Church started in history in the 1500s later, the Anabaptists. But John the Baptizer immersed, immersed or submerged, plunged people underwater in a baptism of repentance to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah, whom he... John the baptizer announced and was the forerunner of the one who's coming after him. And then he himself said, I, I submerge you into water as a symbol of repentance and cleansing that you're ready to meet the king of Israel because he's the one who's coming after me. But when he comes, the Messiah, the Mashiach, he is the anointed one. The word Mashiach is the word king, but more literally the anointed one, anointed with the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will baptize you, not in water, but in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he will literally plunge you and immerse you into the power of God. The Old Testament understanding of the Holy Spirit was the Holy Spirit was God's power that enacted the work of creation. So the very first reference to the Spirit of God is in Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. And I know all new creation family church Christians have memorized the Bible by heart. So repeat with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And there was chaos and darkness that covered the deep. But... The Spirit of God hovered over the chaos. Then God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit enacted the Word and created light. He brought order out of chaos. The Holy Spirit is the power of God that implements the Word of God. When God speaks, the Holy Spirit does. Are you with me? The very first reference to the Holy Spirit is the reference to this incubating. The Hebrew word hovering, rapur, is literally with all due respect, I've negotiated with the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't take it personally, this, this illustration. But it's the chicken sitting on the eggs and incubating life and giving life. The Holy Spirit hovers over the chaos, over the chaos of your life over the brokenness in you, over your darkness and depression. The Holy Spirit hovers over broken creation. And when God says, pick up your bed and walk, your eyes be opened, the Holy Spirit enacts the Word as the power of God and recreates and brings order out of chaos and renews creation. In fact, the Holy Spirit brings the new creation. As Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, everything becomes new. So that power of the Holy Spirit to be Jesus to this world and to do what Jesus did and bring the kingdom through miracles and praying for people with laying on of hands, etc. That is what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'll be plunged, inundated with the power of God to do the works of Jesus. So I said, Tony, pray for me. We set an appointment after school one Friday afternoon. I'll never forget 
We went to his parents' home in uh, Amalinda, in East London. His parents were at work, so it was just him and I. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, he told me to sit on the coffee table in the lounge. Can you believe it? And I remember sitting on this hard coffee table in the lounge. And he just said to me, now the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And I said, but what do I do? What, what's going to happen? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and he said, no, don't worry, just relax and drink in. And he read to me this verse from John. If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. He said, are you thirsty for God? Do you want the power of God? Do you want God to use you? Do you need the presence and power of God to live the Christian life? And I said, yes. How thirsty are you, Bushy? And I said, I'm very thirsty. I need the power of God in my life to be a witness for Jesus. Because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, you will receive power, dynamite, to be me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I said, yes, I'm thirsty. He said, then you drink. I said, how do I drink? He said, when you drink water, you put your head up, and you drink like this. Have you ever tried to see people drink water like this? <laughs> you know, when we say, let's, let's pray and receive the Holy Spirit, we all go, thank you, Jesus. We all turn in in a posture of prayer. The Hebrew understanding, if you read the Gospels carefully, when Jesus prayed, it says, he lifted his head to heaven. Hebrew posture of prayer is like this. And when you drink, you lift your head up and you breathe in. So ruach is the Hebrew word for spirit, God's spirit. Pneuma is the New Testament Greek word for God's spirit. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? You drink from Jesus' breath. You breathe in the breath of God. As you breathe in the breath of God and you drink and you receive the Holy Spirit... A, a fountain just breaks out in your innermost being and it starts bubbling up and you want to say praise you Jesus you start feeling lekker. it's good old Afrikaans you, you start feeling nice and you start getting happy and you want to praise the Lord but sooner or later as you start praising the Lord you run out of English words because when you want to describe the greatness of who God is and what God is doing to you you, you very quickly Catch the fly that's flying around here. You, you, you very quickly run out of words to describe who God is. And what happens is the Holy Spirit starts giving you another language, different tongues, to enable you to praise God in the mystery of languages that you've never learned before. And that is what is called speaking in tongues. That's what happened at Pentecost. So when Jesus said to his, his followers, wait in Jerusalem until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God. And then they saw Jesus ascend into heaven. And the angel said, stop looking up. Look out and go and wait now to receive the power. Because like when Eli, Elijah went up with the chariots of fire, his mantle fell down. And Elisha watched this ascension and picked up the mantle and said, and he struck the waters of the, of the river Jordan and he began to do all the miracles. And if you read Elisha and Elijah in the book of Kings, Elijah did a certain, um, 
a certain number of miracles. If you count the number of miracles that Elisha did, it is exactly double. He received a double portion of the Spirit. And so they, the followers of Jesus, saw Jesus ascend into heaven. They went to Jerusalem, and, and as the Catholics call it, they had a novena. The word novena is nine days. They prayed for nine days, morning, afternoon, and evening, saying, Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we are waiting for the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need your power. And then on the tenth day, after praying for nine days, on the day of Pentecost, it says, On the day of Pentecost, they were all together in the same place praying. And suddenly, as they were praying, nine o'clock in the morning, the place was filled with wind. The word wind is again the word breath, spirit, wind is pneuma. It was filled with spirit. And with the wind, that, that the, the, again, there's no language given to human beings under heaven that is as descriptive as Afrikaans. <laughs> the vorlwai van die wind. Do you know what vorlwai is? The wind just comes in here. And with the wind comes tongues of fire. And the tongues of fire come and sit upon each one of them. And they just start praising God. The fountain of joy just breaks forth as, as, they, as the Spirit fills them. And the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1 is very interesting. It says this, the, the wind filled the place and tongues of fire came upon each of them. And, and they were all filled with the Spirit. That is the passive tense. In other words, it's God filling them with the Spirit as they breathe in. If wind fills this place, fresh wind, I'm sure your natural instinct will be to breathe it in, right? Remember when Jesus rose again, according to John's Gospel, on the night of His resurrection, He breathed on His disciples and said, He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And if He breathes out and says, receive what do you do? Well, if you're a Baptist, you sit like this. <laughs> and you, whew, has he had clarets this morning? Did he brush his teeth? <laughs> or, 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 you say, or you say, where is it in the Word, brother? You, you, you carefully examine and evaluate. If you're a raving Pentecostal, and Jesus breathes out and says, receive, you go, ah, more Lord, ah, it's just to wake you up a little bit. Are, are, are you there this morning? Are you with me? Dear friends, let me say this. Attitude is everything. Your attitude will determine what you get or what you don't get. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you're open, if you're desperate, if you're desirous, I tell you, you will get what you're looking for. But if you're critical and you want to just check it out and have 45 proofs and texts before you'll open yourself up to be vulnerable to God filling you, then you will get what you want. If you, if you want that much, you'll get that much. If you want that much, you'll get that much. 
If you are seeking that much, you know what? You'll get that much. If you want that much, God will give it to you. So I, Tony Shelver laid hands on my head, and this little fountains of joy started to bubble up within me. And I remember I was saying, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, I was just praising the Lord. And then she said to me, stop speaking English. Let the Lord just release you in a new tongue. And all along I had this strange word in my, in my mind, Amma, Abba. And of course, I didn't really know but you, you guys are aware that Abba and Amma are Hebraic words or Aramaic words for, for mother and father. And I had going through my brain, Amma and Abba. And he said, do you have anything happening in you? And I said, yeah, I have Amma and Abba. He said, well, speak it. And as I began to speak Amma and Abba, other words started to come. And suddenly a fountain was released and a river began to flow. And I started to praise God. And of course, that, looking back, was a defining moment in my life because the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the freedom of the Holy Spirit, the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the confidence of the Holy Spirit started to flow in me and affected my whole Christian life in terms of how I prayed, how I spoke to other people. and my, I mean, I eventually outdid David Ganeski with tracts. I ordered tracts from some missionary organization that a whole big box arrived at our house one day and my dad had a hernia. And I used to go around every afternoon because I rode my bike to school from Amalinda to Cambridge High School. And on the back of my carrier, I had a whole bunch of tracks. And everywhere I went, I went to bus stops. And I handed out tracks and prayed for people. I remember there was a guy waiting for a bus to go out to Umdam Zaini after work. It was about 5 o'clock in the afternoon coming back from rugby practice. And I stopped and I gave out tracks. I preached the gospel. I was 14 or 15 years old preached the gospel, and then there was this one guy whose one eye was covered with a cataract. You know, his one eye was opaque, and he could only see out the other eye. And I prayed for him. And as I prayed for him, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command this to leave, and your eye be opened. And then I said, now open your eye. And he opened his eye, and you know what? I was shocked. This thing had gone. And he said, oh, Haibo, ooh. In those days, Aishwena was not in fashion. <laughs> but if he was Zulu, he was Aishwena. But he said, And he started to jump up and down. And, and I mean, I was amazed at the innocence of faith. You know, when you're just innocent, and you just do what God tells you to do, and you believe, you find yourself walking on water. And even if you go underwater after a while, where you become self-conscious, then he still picks you up to stand on water. So, dear friends, I want to say to you, especially to the young adults and the young people, the teenagers here, who, who are here today, when you are a teenager, where your identity is being formed and you're making choices, you, it's the most likely age for you to, to meet Jesus and give your life to Jesus. And it can be the greatest defining moment that determines the rest of your life. And by God's grace, out of a completely unreligious home, the Lord saved me. 
and brought me to salvation. And then a year, about a year and two months later, empowered me with a baptism of the Holy Spirit, whereby I started to prophesy. I spoke in tongues. I started to pray for sick people. I started to do what I read in the Gospels that Jesus did. I just read, believed, and did. Wonderful. It's called the honeymoon years of your Christian life. And I want to say to the young adults and the teenagers, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you haven't as yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some people teach and say that you've got to speak in tongues to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that the Bible teaches that. I believe that if we open ourselves up to Jesus and we just drink of His Spirit, the Spirit comes upon us and He releases His gifts through us to the people around us. And often speaking in tongues is like the trigger mechanism that opens up the faith for all the other gifts. But you you don't have to get this thing hooked in your head. I need this particular experience like Alexander Fenter or what I used to be called Bushy Fenter because the danger of telling our stories is you hear my story and then you think it's going to happen with you the same way it happened with me. That's not true. You know what? It happens with each of us differently because we're all unique. And for some people, they don't have a dramatic born-again experience. They find that at some point in their journey of spiritual, their spiritual journey, they actually are born again by God's Spirit, but they can't put a date and a time to it. How many of you have had that? And likewise, after salvation, in terms of the empowering of the Spirit to do the the work of the kingdom, it doesn't happen as a dramatic one-off. It's ongoing infillings and anointings of the Spirit for some people. So don't take my story as the standard. Open yourself up to God. If you're thirsty and hungry, receive all God has for you, because the Lord is here this morning. And He wants this to be a defining moment in your life this particular Sunday morning. That's why he brought you to church and he brought me to church. (laughs) That you could hear this message this morning. It was interesting. Paul and I were, and my wife were at a a seminar with Derek Morphew, and we were just chatting, and, and I don't know how it came up, but then he said, oh, could you come and preach in November? And I checked my dates, and I said, I'm available on the 2nd of November. And then I said, well, what are you doing? Are you in a series? He said, defining moments. And I thought in my mind, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Instantly this phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came to me. That's why the Lord sent me here this morning. That's why you are listening to this message. God wants to baptize you afresh in the Holy Spirit and fill you with dynamite, dynamis. Our English word power is so anemic compared to the Greek word dynamis that is used frequently in the New Testament. The power of the Holy Spirit that brings new creation out of old broken creation. That does signs and wonders and miracles and drives demons out of people's bodies and does the works and the wonders of God. That is the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus that he wants to give to each one of us. So, let's stand. And what I'd like to do is to say, all of you who know that you are born of God's Spirit, you're a follower of Jesus, you have eternal life, that is the greatest defining moment in all of our lives. 
I would say, secondly, the empowering of the Holy Spirit for ministry. The baptism of the Holy Spirit for ministry. And I have learned over the years that many of us get born again, but we have stopped teaching what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that overt and popular in churches anymore. And so I want to offer an opportunity and say, anyone here, and especially the young adults at the back up there, and the young people, the teenagers, I want to invite you to come up here and just to wait and to lift up your head and to drink from Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And let's see what the Holy Spirit does. Let's invite the power of the Holy Spirit to baptize those who want to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So don't hesitate as the worship team gets ready just to say those who want to receive in a fresh way or maybe it's for the first time the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come up and let's stand around up front here. Paul, I'm subject to your leadership. Is that okay for us to do that? I just wanted to say, if we as a church can be hungry and thirsty right now, you may have received baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, but in this moment, won't you be hungry and desperate for God to come and fill you afresh and touch your life? Can there be hunger in our midst this morning? And then for those that have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come and stand in the front here, but I don't want this to be a spectator's thing where everyone just sits and watches. Won't you engage with our God this morning? Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in this place. We're going to sing a song, You're Welcome, Holy Spirit. And let's just reach out and let's ask God to come and fill again, refresh, touch, empower. And those that are ready to take that step. This is a defining moment for some people this morning. Please don't leave today not taking this opportunity. This is a defining moment in your life. You are hungry, you can come forward as we play the song. But for the rest of us, let's reach out and sing the song. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I hope you have enjoyed this recording. For more information about New Creation Family Church, please visit our website at www.newcreation.co.za. 